In this two-part series, Indiana State Long-Term Care Ombudsman Director Lynn Clough joins the conversation with QSource. This series will discuss residents' rights as well as Lynn's role and its impact on long-term care. This is part one of the two-part series. So Lynn, if you would be so kind, if you could please tell us about yourself and your role as the State Long-Term Care Ombudsman. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and your team. I am the State Long-Term Care Ombudsman for Indiana. The Long-Term Care Ombudsman Program is a federally mandated program. Every state has one. Every state has a State Long-Term Care Ombudsman. Each program is a little bit different in how we work, but the Long-Term Care Ombudsman Program's primary purpose is to promote and protect specific rights that are guaranteed to long-term care residents under federal and state laws. And we do that through empowerment, education, and advocacy. And just a little bit of background about me, I came to this position, I've been with the state for nearly 13 years and worked in long-term care and not-for-profit organizations before that with project, a lot, I have a lot of project management experience, and then joined the Division of Aging within FSSA or Family and Social Services Administration 13 years ago and became, worked my way up to become the Director of uh, Grants and Community Engagement within the Division of Aging, and then I left and went to the Department of Health and became a, a long-term care surveyor for a couple of years, and then came back to FSSA as the state long-term care ombudsman in 2019. So it's a great program. It's an, a very interesting program. It's a, it's a very unique program because in this role, we have local ombudsmen located throughout the state to work with residents. I'm in Indianapolis at the state office, and I have programmatic oversight of the long-term care ombudsman while they work out of um, the AAAs or Area Agencies on Aging or a subcontractor of the AAA. And the host agency that the ombudsman works out of has personnel oversight. So it's a little bit different than what you think of as a, a normal program, but we make it work and we're moving along. Just to get back to your question, um, I was talking about the you know om ombudsman advocate for the quality of life and care of residents in long-term care facilities. And in Indiana, that includes nursing homes and licensed assisted living facilities. That's wonderful, and I, I appreciate that. It it really sounds like you've got such a wealth of knowledge and experience within our long-term care culture, and that's certainly valuable when um, we we really want to stress or be a support system for long-term care facilities to be able to say that you've you've walked a mile in their shoes and, and been there with them, not only on this level as an ombudsman, but your state surveying role and, and past experience like that. So I think it's wonderful. And we truly appreciate you being here with us today on that. As resident rights, I feel like our pandemic, that certainly um, resident rights were impacted. And now we're getting back to basics. That was hard for us in long-term care, um, knowing that, you know, we had a, a virus that was, a, what was deadly and affecting us and impacting our daily lives. 
and the need to contain it, control it, squash it, if you will, also impacted our resident rights and our day-to-day activities. That hurt us as individuals, that caused confusion in the way that we had always known um, how our culture should run in long-term care. But it was a necessary time that we had to go through. So now getting back to resident rights and really, you know, not that we ever left them, but we had to make accommodations rather. The nursing homes, we've got a lot of new staff. We'd like to get back to the resident rights, mainly clarifying that, looking for resources and guidance and making sure that we give folks the best care, the best opportunities for both their physical well-being and their mental well-being. We think this is a great opportunity to talk to UCO about that. Can you tell us who the ombudsman and what exactly they could do? I know you talked about that a little bit for the nursing facilities. How could an ombudsman be beneficial for both the facility and for the residents? Well, when you think about it, an an ombudsman is a mediator. We are the helpers, the listeners, the advocates. We listen and attempt to help resolve complaints. Uh, We've got a wide range of skill sets. And our ombudsman are, we have um, several nurses. We have other medical staff. We have a couple of lawyers, several paralegals, and social workers on our staff. So, and others have a social services background. We work with residents to make sure that they're educated about their rights while living in long-term care. And we encourage self-advocacy, but we can also help them advocate for themselves. But as far as the residents' rights apply to the residents, it's important to know that Ombudsman staff are resident-directed. We must have the permission of the resident to act on their behalf. Because of that, if nursing home staff see something they're not happy with or they see something that, you know, maybe they think an ombudsman could help, nursing home staff should contact the ombudsman. When you see family or powers of attorney or guardians who are not acting in the best interest of the resident, give us a call. We can come and help. Anyone can call us, residents, family members, powers of attorney, facility staff, members of the community call us as well. You can also contact the ombudsman to request staff training. Our local ombudsman are happy to do in-service for facility staff on residents' rights and even resident council training for uh, on topics such as uh, abuse, neglect, and exploitation, resident rights, resolving conflicts, and a lot of other topics that are related to long-term care. Do you have facilities reaching out to you to help with assistance of education regarding abuse and resident rights? You know, that's one of the mandated in-servicing that the facilities need to do. I wonder how many take advantage of that. I don't know off the top of my head. We work on a federal fiscal year. So our year just ended September 30th, and I'm still kind of going through the data from this past year. But our activities show that the ombudsman do provide in-service trainings, and I would have to look. That's a good question. We're certainly available to do that for facility staff. I think that's the bigger takeaway is that you're available to do that. So so maybe a lot of folks just don't realize that that is a resource for them. Um, There's a lot to be said for in-person training. Absolutely. And um, yeah, we would be happy to do that. 
just give us a call. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then they have um, local ombudsmen around regions, correct? We do. We have right now, Indiana now, we are currently understaffed, as is everyone. You should know, you probably are already aware of this, but Indiana has 525 nursing homes currently, 372 licensed assisted living facilities. That's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, that's a lot. That's over 50,000 residents. We have 20 local ombudsmen right now across the state. And you're right. They are uh, located geographically around the state within the areas of around the AAA mm -hmm. in each region. If you're familiar with the area agencies on aging, you know that there are 16 planning and service areas in Indiana and each of those area agencies on aging has an ombudsman program or sub subcontracts it to many of our ombudsmen work for Indiana Legal Services, for example. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. And, and you know, resident rights are both federal and state laws. Correct. Is that correct? Good. That is correct. Good. Um, so something to be make sure that we're familiarized with and make sure that we're providing those um, within those laws is absolutely pertinent within the facilities. Resident rights for long-term care facilities focus on major or, or various areas such as like maybe exercising their rights. Um, we talked about that and you had said it's both personal and legal for the residents. So more of an advocate or making them aware of their rights. Yes. Okay. Maybe helping find their voice per se. And yes, and that that's a big part of our job. We, like I was saying, we, we can't advocate for a resident, but through empowering them and, 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 and educating them on what their rights are, we encourage them to speak up for themselves. And if they've spoken with the director of nursing, the social services director, they've gone to the administrator and nothing has been done to resolve their issues, you know, sometimes we can come alongside them. And like I was saying, we can be that mediator and the yeah. helper. Now we try to resolve the issue mm -hmm. to the satisfaction of the resident, mm -hmm. which is not always easy to do, but that's our goal. We definitely come alongside them and are there to support them. Do you find that sometimes it's not necessarily that the nursing home couldn't or didn't meet them, um, or maybe it's like a lack of communication or a lack of understanding on both ends? There are misunderstandings. There's miscommunications. So yeah, I, I think that's, that contributes. Sure. Great. And you would be a great, great resource to help bridge that gap. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes feelings get involved, you yes. know, and, and outside circumstances. So to, to be that person, I think would be a great resource. Um, how about um, an ombudsman's role with planning and implementing care? We can attend care planning conferences mm -hmm. with the resident as long as we have their permission. And again, if a resident cannot make informed consent, we will work with their resident representative or their, you know, their legal representative. But mm -hmm. we will always visit. We want to lay eyes on the resident and make sure that even someone who is cognitively impaired can still make decisions, you know, maybe what they want to wear for the day or 
I don't want that for lunch. I want a hamburger. They can still make a lot of their own decisions, and we, we want to help them do that as best they can, still continue to advocate for themselves. Absolutely. I think that's great. I mean, even down to, you know, if I'm going to eat dessert today. I'm not going to eat my meal. You know, that's that's their choice. And, right. you know, maybe not the best decision, but that's still their choice, you know, exactly. and making sure that we can empower them and, and live their best life, correct? That's exactly right. I don't always make the best choices in what I eat. <laughs> so uh, we have a scenario we, we like to talk about in explaining to new ombudsmen how this works. If a facility is serving, you know, everyone in the dining room is eating chocolate cake and a very brittle, severe diabetic wants that chocolate cake, we're going to advocate that he gets that chocolate cake. It may not be the best decision, but mm -hmm. that's his decision. That's their decision. Yes, and to help mediate that. How about when it comes down to choosing their attending physician? You know, that gets a little bit in facilities. You know, we'll have medical directors or just certain phys physicians that come into facilities. And maybe their, their physician isn't one that comes into the facility and they still want to continue to see out that. How could you work that with the facility and the resident as well? Oh, again, we would try to mediate again, with the resident's permission, try to mediate, you know, how can we come to a resolution? How can we, how can we satisfy the resident? Because again, we're going to come down on the side of the resident, mm -hmm. um, but that resident also needs good medical care, but they do have that right to choose mm -hmm. their own physician. Sure. And maybe, you know, even if it comes right down to making special arrangements and working with them about how they're going to meet those requirements to see their physician on a basis and um, how they're going to get there and, and try to coordinate that mm -hmm. between the residents and the families and um, and actually the facility. Right. It's a big need. Yeah. Yes. QSource would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to learn more, please visit us at qio.qsource.org. Visit our website for additional podcasts, videos, documents, and more. In addition to listening to QSource podcasts on our website, you can also find us on most media platforms, such as Apple, Google, Spotify, Podbean, and others.